Welcome to DT Madness, Chronicles from the Third Life, episode 72, September 10th, 2023. So glad you could make it. Yesterday, we held the celebration of the life of Larry Joe Thomas. That's my dad. We called him Pop for the last 20-something years, I guess, since the, uh, since the grandkids were, were born. And uh, my dad passed away. Um... A little over a week ago, August thirty first, the night of the of the super blue moon. Um, after about a three year battle with with cancer, and uh, so I, I want to share a little bit about that service and um, whatever else pops up, saying some things that I said yesterday. Um, I, the, the, the service was held at Bowling Springs Baptist Church and the, uh, the pastor there at the time, Mr. Keith Dixon, uh, opened up with Micah 6, 8, which was, if my dad had a life verse, then that's, that's the one he always pointed to, um, do justice, love, mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And that was followed by my son Sam and daughter Sydney. They sang uh, Chris Christopherson's Why Me, Lord. And that was great. That was great. Uh, Listen to that song so many times from, from different versions. I mean, uh, you know, growing up with Pop, and he, it'd be the Oak Ridge Boys have a version of it. You know, the Johnny Cash, of course, Chris Christopherson, Willie sings a version, I'm sure. There are many others, but that was very fitting. Um, a couple of professors or former professors at Gardner-Webb, Dr. Eastman and Dr. Karskadden, spoke a little bit about their reflections. And Dr. Eastman's, uh, he opened up with, uh, you know, Larry Thomas is my friend. And wrapped it all the way around, talked about the, the serious side, the deep side of my dad and um, how his friendship friendship is still, you know, and Dr. Karskaden in his own way, many of the same type of reflections. And then my, uh, my daughter sang, uh, she went over to the piano and played and sang uh, the song that she had written for my dad called one day. And, it was just simply amazing. Um, it tells the story a little bit of, of of getting the news of Pop, you know, having cancer and different instances of decline. But it's you know, I'm I'm just like my daddy, and my daddy's just like you. Are are her words? Squinty eyed smiles and our stubborn minds. 
and everything we do. I don't know if she's talking about that. Working to remember who we are, no matter what life puts us through. So that was, um, that was some special junk, man. That was really something. Mary Ruth Dixon said some things afterwards about so much of this. You know, she talked about the, the attention that that pop gave and so much of that so much of the service and the words from people were just about you know just that like he just paid attention to you he just saw you you know you weren't just passing by to him um kids on campus people professors whoever you know he was going to stop and and brighten your day in in a lot of ways and uh after that it was it was my turn and let's take the next 15 i'm gonna shuffle these papers around i'm gonna read read first some of the things that people had had sent to us about them i know you hear my i got my green tea and ginger going been a long week, y'all. Man, oh man, your pops will be severely missed. While I grieve with you and your family today, I have nothing but good memories of him. As I've reflected this morning, I'm convinced that my days were better when I interacted with Larry Thomas. A theological question, a funny story, reflections on the state of Gardner Webb after being picked up on the golf cart, reminders about how nothing is more important than loving your neighbor. Good stuff and a good man. In my book, I classify him as a legend. He was always, and I mean always, there to lend a hand with a smile. Your dad was all the good words you wrote about him and much more. He was held in the highest esteem by his community because of his service and his goodness. Daniel, your dad treated me like a gentleman that he was. He joined Boiling Springs Church one Sunday night and we had deep conversations about spiritual matters when I'd see him on Garden Web campus. He loved his family and was supportive of the best things. I also admired his service to our country. He left a beautiful and enviable legacy. Larry was truly one of a kind. He loved serving the community and helping people. When I worked in housing, he did so much for us and for me personally. I learned a lot from Larry. He was a genuine friend who in his own way loved others generously. I just recently learned about your dad passing away and wanted you and your family to know of our prayers for you all. I will never forget how he would yell, holy man, anytime he would see me on campus. There were others that tried to call me that, but it never carried the same weight or affection as your dad saying it. I know you will miss him, and so will I. That was from Tracy Jessup, former campus minister, uh, nicknamed by my dad, holy man. Our group of friends is blessed to have a group of parents that truly saw us and treated us as one of their own. LT gave the best attaboys. LT knew how to lighten and liven up a youngster when a game or play in the field didn't go our way. LT and Lynn knew sometimes we just needed to play Nintendo and listen to Tom Petty's greatest hits on repeat. I'm forever grateful for a collective group of parents where those anecdotes, memories, and lessons live on. So beautiful, vivid, and prevalent. And when looking back, they weren't the little things they may have seemed to be. You made all the difference in the world to kids trying to carve their own way. 
Rest easy, LT. May your remarkable life and legacy always shine through. Getting to spend so much time on your dad's golf cart at school was one of those things that made GWU feel like home. When I was a freshman, I was totally lost, and your dad got me where I needed to go. You've always been the best daddy and have showed up for me in countless ways. Basketball practices and games, cotton candy every time it was on the corner, playing songs for me on guitar, teaching me things in the wood shop, getting me my own saw, taking me to the old drugstore to get a cherry drink and gum, spinning pennies at the old Dairy Queen after school, getting me out of school early to go fishing or golfing. We all loved him. When he and I coached elementary school basketball, we had a heck of a run. The kids thought it was me who made them win sprint. No, it was Larry. The parents thought it was my coaching that won 30 games in a row. Full disclosure, it was Larry. Never have I seen a man love kids and life more. Proud to have been on his friends list. Wherever he is, someone has gained a great friend. Our sympathy to Lynn, Larry's rock, the kids and grandkids, and to all who had the privilege of knowing this fine man. Your dad was my welcome to campus day one. Went out of his way in the pouring rain for 45 minutes to unlock my car. That epitomized his huge heart and love for people. One of the kindest souls. I could not have made it through some of the hardest seasons of life without the kind words and golf cart rides from Larry. And there's so many more of that poured into Facebook and people that sent him message me and uh, dozens and dozens and dozens and probably hundreds of comments with so many heartfelt um, condolences, you know. But I, I do want to share my, my, my own thoughts as well, a few of my own thoughts as well. At the service, I said I would do my best to keep it short because for anybody who knew my dad, you know that lunch is at 11, and that's when this service had started, even at 11.15. So I joked that, you know, by noon, which is about where we were, that it was nearly about supper time. I do want to acknowledge that he had his flaws, like we all do. He knew of as one of his favorite songs, the song The Pilgrim Chapter 33 by Chris Christopherson, that he was a walking contradiction, partly truth and partly fiction, taking every wrong direction on his lonely way back home. But his quiet faith led him onward. In Garden Web Magazine in 2015, in a special called Carving the Keys to Life, he stated his three rules. Don't tear anything up. Don't hurt anybody. And don't park on top of any of my buildings. He went on to say, I like the people here. I've always said that I work for the students. I get paid by the university, but I actually work for the students. Most of the kids on campus are like my kids, and that's the way I treat them. I love this place. It's a good place to go to school. And after all the junk that went down with Garden Web and the way that they treated him, he still said we about Garden Web. Really do appreciate all the kindnesses that were given to our family and continue to be given to our family. I'm reminded that Robert Persig in Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance points out that the word kindness and kinship are related. And we're never more kin than at times like this. Maybe we could work on work on that to make ourselves kin more often. I commented the other night that Pop has always said that if there was a Lowe's in town, 
he wouldn't even have to leave Boiling Springs. You know, we received specific stories, like detailed stories about the impact that my dad had on folks at Gardner Webb from, from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. And story upon story upon of, of all the relationships he built in town. He knew, as Wendell Berry emphasizes, that place is important. It's essential. Pop didn't need to leave town because he knew that all he needed was here. He knew that the people at the college and in town are what make this community so strong. People from all around come in, but it's being here, doing life together in these rolling hills by a town built around a spring where life is rich and sustained. I'm so glad to be a part of it all. So glad to be his boy. One thing about growing up and living in this town that my dad loved so much is there are plenty of characters, and he was surely one of them. Always with jokes, always with stories. And whether you thought they were funny or not, and maybe you thought they were funny but didn't want to laugh because they were a little too edgy, it didn't matter. He was going to laugh anyway, that big old belly laugh. And I know that my dad and Doc Hunt are cutting up in their reunion. Well, that time that I've I've mentioned where he got his earring, I got mine pierced when I was 17, and I guess he wanted to maybe convince me to not do that, so he got his own pierced. Maybe he thought I wouldn't want to be twins with, with my old man. I grew out of that phase, and he kept wearing his for another three decades. Somebody mentioned that they always thought he must have been a biker, and that gave me a good chuckle. But that's the thing about the earring for him. He was so completely comfortable being himself. It wasn't an I don't care attitude, not a hardened stance, just an acceptance of his humanity and his place. Just a note I've, I've thought about getting mine pierced again, just as a tribute, a reminder to Pop, but I don't think I'm quite comfortable in that way like he was with who I am. Dr. Eastman said, one of the things he learned from my dad was to just be happy in your own skin. And those are the things I'm going to be working on over these next months. Ansel Harmon was another character. We were neighbors growing up, and Ansel and my dad coached Little League Baseball together, beginning right on the field outside of the church where we were having this service named after my teammate, Daniel Green, that passed away when I was in ninth grade. I still remember hugging Miss Ramsey. Um, when I learned of the news of Daniel Green. We, we were the Red Sox in Little League, and we were pretty dang good. We used to crush people. Ansel would wave us home. You know, he was coaching third, and he would be waving his arm, telling us to round third and go home to score. Uh, with this, just, uh, this animated style that I cannot convey over a podcast, but hand over his mouth, waving, doing huge windmills with the other arm. Ansel passed a few years back, and, and I've imagined more than once over these past last couple weeks, Ansel waving my dad on home, just like he used to for us. The poet Rumi says, be a lamp or a lifeboat or a ladder. Help someone's soul heal. Walk out of your house like a shepherd. Wendell Berry says, ask the questions that have no answers. Invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias. I don't know if my dad ever knew about my tattoo as a grown man. I didn't want to burden him with that. He was not a huge fan of tattoos, although maybe he would have gotten one of his own <laughs> towards the end to try to uh, 
to try to do it just like you did the earring. But but I have the Sequoia cons tattooed on my arm because of this poem, because of the idea that you do things because they're right, because they're good. You're, you're investing in the millennium. It's not something that you're going to see. The harvest isn't necessarily for you, but you do it anyway. And that's what my dad did. The ripples that we signify with the bucket of life, those are the ripples that are continuing to flow outward. So many stories, specific ways I've, I've written about some, the experimental cooking that my dad got into when uh, his, his blood pressure was too high a couple decades ago. And uh, so he had to cut out his salt and he started cooking. And we got to eat at his house quite often and he would come up with just some some wild stuff sometimes. Usually pretty consistent, but he would stop and ask anybody at Ingalls, whether it's the person behind the deli counter or just a, a random person, you know, in the aisle, what's for supper tonight? You know, strangers stopping strangers just to shake their hands as the lyrics go. But people didn't stay strangers long with my dad. He was able, he just had this disarming character about him. Um, even in this age of isolation. And he would come home with the recipe for sure. <laughs> he also had the sneaky way of, of going up to the counter at El Acapulco or Quick Snack, you know, places that had gumball machines or video games and, and exchanging a couple of dollars and coming back and, and slyly, you know, placing a quarter in front of one of the kids, our kids or whatever other kids might be in the restaurant. We left a jar of quarters out. I don't know if anyone took any, but we invited people to take a couple of quarters and, and give them to some kids, you know, if you see them. Those are just some of the ways that my dad showed his generosity. The woodwork he crafted, the times he unlocked car doors. And there were a lot of people that talked about that yesterday. So I did have to, to point out that, you know, if people called and said, can you come let me in? He's probably going to grumble a little bit as he had to get up off his couch and, you know, put his shorts and shoes on and, Miss NCIS or Bones. Um, but he'd be there as soon as he could. He had a, a strong willingness to share things that were his. When I think about humility, and this is something that I mentioned a couple episodes ago, I think about the parable in Luke 18. Because my dad was never, my dad was never the Pharisee that was out there um, letting everyone know about his faith. He wasn't posting pictures of himself worshiping, you know. He didn't have the classic worship face with his hands up and all that stuff that's so prevalent today. He didn't let everyone know about his faith and how that set him apart from everyone else and how he pointed his fingers at everyone else because they weren't doing the things that he was doing and so therefore they weren't as good or perhaps as qualified to get to heaven or whatever. He was off at the distance, you know beating his chest, knowing he was a sinner, but knowing that God loved him anyway. It's a parable worth reading for our time. You had to scratch the surface sometimes for the humility. If you ask him a question, can you make this for me? Can you do this for me? Often the response was, well, of course I can. And of course he could. And of course he did. So very often considering others before himself. There was one time he did have to learn humility, and that's when he was playing church softball. And he tried to stretch out a triple um, 
and he blew out his Achilles tendon. Those were the old days when you had plaster casts all the way up. My dad was a lot of things, and among those, he had a deep vision and intellect. I could still hear and think about the things that he would teach me, things like one can hear the law and the sound of running water. That's why I spend so much time at the river. He would say, don't force it. He would say, remember who you are. He would say, I'm just happy to be here. And maybe my all-time favorite, he would say, keep your butt behind you, which does have practical significance. You can only fully appreciate when you find yourself contorted in such a way where your butt isn't behind you. But beyond the practical, I have a strong feeling keeping your butt behind you holds some, some strong metaphysical truth. As many have said, he surely was one of a kind, you know, a rare bird. And the significance of his passing, the night of a blue moon, a super blue moon, is not lost on us. It was beautiful. It was haunting. But it was beautiful. I do want to take a second to pause from talking about my hero to talk about my other hero. My mom is a warrior. She's always taken care of us in all the ways beyond description. But the way she took care of her husband of 52 years, the last few years, especially in the last few months, wading through the muck and the mire, it's an amazing testament. No other testimony could show the amazing grace and the power of love. The last part was the most difficult for me to write and to speak, and that's because it involves the mystery, the mystery of death and life. I got to be there in those last few hours, the last few minutes, as my dad breathed his last. Got to be there with my mom and my daughter. It is one of the most profound things I've ever experienced. But it was difficult in some ways because as his breathing slowed, he he was groaning some. And I've, I've not slept well this past week in many ways because I've tried to think about what, what, was he, what was he saying. Because I don't know what, uh, my, my friend Andrew told me not to qualify this, but I don't know what the others in the room experienced quite that night. But I experienced the, the moment before the last breath that, that my dad looked at me. And so I just have been trying to wonder what was he saying until a couple of days ago when it was really difficult all week for me to write this because I felt like when I put these, I had the chunks, you know, I had the notes and the bits um, and that's how I organized things. But I, I didn't want to give this, this tribute, this writing, I didn't want to give this thing life because it would, it just felt final. But a couple of days ago when that dam burst and I was able to, I was able to write, it was because I realized that those groans were just that. They, they were groans of the Spirit. They weren't words, not words like we speak, but they were groans of the Spirit, as Paul talks about in Romans 8. And I'll have a lifetime of conversation between the groans of my Spirit and the groans of His. But one thing that I did glean from those groans is that love isn't past tense. 
I began to write a post uh, a couple of days ago where I said I loved that man and I quickly amended it to I love that man because just as Dr. Eastman said, he is because he lives existence, that most extraordinary thing. It's his existence that we love him for and the force of his existence will carry on always, no matter what. After all, the net's unbreakable. I could continue on for for, for hours, I'm sure, talking about a, a wooden baseball game that he had made or, or the family sitting around with the fondue pot. Obviously, I got the orange one. Or playing an old school video game called Intellivision. Frisbee golf with like plastic Frisbees, real Frisbees, aiming at targets that weren't baskets you know we're going to hit that wall over there and you got three shots to do it doing that kind of stuff before disc golf became any type of craze church softball or wiffle ball we had an old wooden basketball goal that he had built and he had turned it upside down and laid it up against his shop and spray painted a strike zone or basketball you know with with friends darnell and sonny carl jr and brian and jermaine People of different races. I didn't mention this yesterday. I didn't want to try to just point it out, but that was the thing. We welcomed the, you know, my dad welcomed people to our house. And that's how I grew up. Playing basketball with people from all walks of life in the dirt court outside of our house, which was a campus house, a dorm. And often he would be blaring Jimmy Buffett or some other gospel music. But a lot of times that would be the Gaithers. And so that's how we ended it. Um, Sam and Sidney and Sarah came back up to sing a Gaither song called Loving God and Loving Each Other. It's a song that encapsulates the simplicity of the gospel and how my dad lived his life. Loving God, loving each other. It's really not complicated, the lyrics go. We don't have to build steeples and stone buildings and come up with all these rules and books and all this kind of stuff. It's just loving God, loving each other. Dr. Hildreth offered a prayer that said, May light perpetual, the kind that shone from his life, shine upon him. May he rest in peace and may he rise in glory. And after Sarah and Sidney and Sam and Mary Ruth played um, the Gaither song. We we all gathered out front and drove up to the cemetery on Main Street where my dad received his military honors because my dad was in college, so he didn't get drafted in the 70s. But his good friend Jerry Garvin did. And so my dad enlisted and ended up serving three years. Wasn't in combat, wasn't in Vietnam, got sent to Korea. He worked in a, a psychological hospital. He delivered babies. Um, uh, I don't know. But my, my dad's friend, and that was, you know, that was one of the amazing things to me yesterday was I got to meet my dad's, my dad's guys. Um, 
because my guys were there. The 9-6 was there. They were there for me. We're there for each other. Been doing that since a long time. And so to meet the the equivalent for my dad, to meet, you know, Jerry Garvin and Raymond Davis and, and David, I can't, I can't remember his last name. But these guys who, um, you know, Raymond is a pastor. And so he, he spoke words for my dad. And he talked about how my dad made his way to Gardner Webb. Um, how he came here, was student body president, president of the council. He was the manager of the basketball team. He was just so involved in so many ways from the very beginning at Gardner Webb. He met my mom here. And as David said, was just completely smitten and taken by her. He uh, he didn't finish his degree right away because he joined the army. And he came back and finished and then he went to seminary in Kentucky. When the liberals were in charge, as he would say. He was liberal before liberal was cool, he would say. <laughs> I didn't say that yesterday. But uh, the words that Raymond spoke were just, they were just right on. My dad had the power to love, but he did not love for power. And then following that, the, the army played taps. They folded the flag. We laid roses on his ashes, the kids put quarters in the box. That was that was something else. And then uh, and then we went and and then we had lunch. And now we are here on September the eleventh, and we still remember his smile still radiates. But I did get to meet David, and I did get to meet Jerry, and I did get to meet Raymond. I got to meet so many people that said so many things. My dad was their mentor. He taught them how to not take themselves so seriously. He challenged them to think not just about right and wrong, not just about either or, but about both and, as Dr. Eastman put it, to allow the argument to encapsulate you, to encircle you. And not just look at right or wrong. I'm glad I got some of that from the old man. But yeah, David said he wasn't sure why he came down. But after hearing some of the words, his wife had passed away in January. And after hearing the words that love isn't past tense, he knew why he was brought here. And that was a nice period exclamation point, you know. On the morning. So thank you to you all for all your love and grace. This has been a Church of Six production brought to you by the Bucket of Life. Your ripples matter. Your ripple. Your ripples matter. Just try to say that three times fast. They do though. You're making them one way or the other. What are they going to be? Brought to you by the wall of belief. Be happy in your own skin. By the token of hope. By the rope 
of resurrection. By the foundation tower of stone. Rest easy, LT. Peace, my friends.